Captain. Incoming message. It was the dawn of the third age of mankind. Groovy. Illogical. Hi-ho. Uh, this is me, Kermit the Frog. Hello there. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? I find your lack of faith disturbing. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. I sir. Not a great plan. Program complete. Enter when ready. All stations ready for departure, sir. Let's see what's out there. Engage. flying poutine (laughs) it's a genuine deal i'm dt cavman and you know cheers from down south uh our uh frozen brothers to the north as my protege you should know that the only way to deal with a female adversary is to seduce her Yes. Cheers to cheers to our frozen brothers to the north. <laughs> All right. No, seriously, there was a there was a uh, a letter that was released. It was written in March of this year by a member of the Ministry of Defense in Canada pleading to Parliament saying we need to get ahead of this with all this disclosure happening. We need to tell the Canadian people that we've been working with the uh the I of 5, which is the U.S., the the U.K., Canada, obviously, and then Australia and New Zealand, and working on captured UFOs, uh, or uh, you know UAPs, they said in the, the 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 memo, and that we've been working on reverse engineering a lot of the technology because we need UAP, to have, yeah, unidentified aerial phenomenon. That's what they call them now. I know, no, it's it's, un- it's unidentified airborne poutine, and you know it. <laughs> You, I saw the wheels turning, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you saw an opportunity and you're like, oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> That's what I bring to the table. That's what you do. <laughs> so uh, it's just a matter of time. The aliens are real. The U.S. and 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 uh, other countries have UFOs. And yeah, it's just going to happen. So what are you going to do when the alien overlords come? Resist. I'm going to go to the mountains. I got a family to raise. And I think Bigfoot will help. Because the Sierra of Nevada is right here, man. That's that, that's Bigfoot Central. <laughs> the aliens were defeated by the smallest, or the, by the unlikeliest of creatures. The Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> there it is. There it is. You feel better? From, from an episode of The Scary Door. I don't know that one. 
Wait, maybe you I You know do. what the scary door is, right? No. It's Futurama's show within a show. It's the, oh, the son of a bitch. It's the the Twilight Zone. Yeah, the scary, the scary door. Because it was a scary door. That's good though. That's I. That's intelligent. I like that. That's an intelligent story. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, there was a guy I knew in college who saw Steven Spielberg's The War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. and um. He felt the end was a was a stupid cop out with the aliens getting sick by uh, microbes. And that's what that's what won uh, that. That's what helped us defeat them. Isn't that what happened in the original? Dude, my roommate tore into that guy going, do you not understand that that's from the original book and how forward thinking that solution was? Or rearward thinking. It's kind of like when all the Europeans showed up and the natives weren't resistant to the germs. They didn't have the livestock we had and all these things that killed most of the natives. True. And but back then, bacteria were not known. They just knew of this ethereal condition that somehow got passed on. In the 30s? In the 30s, they did. I'm I'm talking about. Okay, you're right. I jumped. I jumped. I jumped. When was War of the Worlds actually written? It was written in late 1800s by H.G. Wells. Oh, okay. Sometimes I just get it confused because Orson Welles did the radio show in the 30s. Yes. And sometimes you just get, yeah, it's a little jumble. But yeah, okay. I mean, they were starting to develop germ information there. They were, yes. And And, by by the 1890s. Right. I mean, do you remember the did, – did you ever watch Briscoe for the Defense, that episode of Briscoe County? Oh, where he was the lawyer? Yeah, yep. that was one of the four that you assigned me. That was two well, years ago. It was a good one. It was when <laughs> – It was a good – every episode you assigned me was a fantastic watch. Well, most of them were really good. The rest were just good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just saying the ones you assigned me were fantastic. Anyway, yes. Frisco uh, for but the there, there, there was a point where, you know, because it was eight, 1893, 1894, and they, you know, Briscoe's winning argument was the the, defa- the fingerprints. But at the time, Socrates was reading Puddinghead Wilson by um, Mark Twain, which I guess referenced or brought up fingerprinting in them i've i've never read it but that was the point <laughs> and the judge is like really you're going to cite fiction and he's like ah no i'm citing this which uh mark twain was actually familiar with when he wrote the book and then he goes through the um how, how fingerprints work okay and so. yes that's right gosh don't watch new 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 episodes drunk kids please well, here's the thing, the though. Thing. I mean, every now and then you'll get a uh, you'll get a, a a TV show or a movie that will actually nail the historical facts right in a way that you don't think or or it like because Briscoe did a lot of steam and punk kind of stuff where yeah you know some things were a little ahead of their time, mm-hmm. but it was fun. Yeah. Like the tank episode. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Which they were, uh, yeah, that was a good 
25 years ahead of schedule? 30, 35 years, maybe? Yeah. 30 years? It was like 1885, uh, no, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about 25. 1893. Remember, it was 100 years from whenever the show was oh, made. Oh, that's right. 1893. So it was just so a it was about years. It was a, it was about a dozen, yeah, yeah, 22-ish years before tanks really started to be developed. And if, uh, and if the Civil War had been lost by the North and World War II still happened, the Northern states would have sided with England and called them barrels. It's hard science. It's just from an alternative fiction, <laughs> alternative history what, novel. That Harry Turtle Dove? Yeah. <laughs> I thought the U. I thought the Union sided with Germany in that spinoff series. Oh shit! You're right. It was the South that sided with with England, England and the France. North sided with Germany. And, and this was the Germany pre World War Two. This was this was this Kaiser was World War One. Yeah, this yeah. is this Kaiser Germany. This wasn't the evil, evil Germans. Right. This was World <laughs> War One. What was it? What right. they called the American Front or something like that. It was. It yeah, was, the American yeah. Front, and then. Uh, in oh, Turtle Dove, you and your horrible, horrible ideas of the South winning the Civil War and how bad that would be for history. <laughs> it, I mean. It, I mean, it, it seemed pretty, it seemed like a pretty good uh, extrapolation to me, but. <laughs> I'm not saying it wasn't right. I'm just saying it's just bad. It would have been yeah, bad. I know. I mean, the, the fact that literally we fought a civil war, let's see, what, 160 years ago? And within six, no, 80 years after, no, well, 60 years, 55 years, really. I'm doing the math. 60. Let's just say 60. 60 years after that, the nation was solid enough to enter World War II and help tilt the balance with manpower. I'm sorry, World War One, And then World War II, you know, really helped the world out. I mean, that's an, that's an amazing accomplishment for such a young nation. Well, actually, several... Former Confederate officers actually served in the American Army during the Spanish-American War. That's true. I forgot about that. You're right. The commander of the cavalry unit in Cuba was General Joseph Wheeler, who had been a Confederate cavalry leader. He was like, a, I think, a South Carolina Democrat congressman who they, can, you know, who they kind of used to help have the south come in you know and kind of tie those wounds together yeah and at one point he got a little carried away and he was dealing with a little bit of jungle fever uh but at one point when he saw the uh the blue uniforms of his troops charging up san juan hill he's like there we are we got the yankees on the run. <laughs> he's probably in his 60s at this point Yes. Like, yeah, <laughs> we got the Yankees. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh man. Well, I mean, it just goes to show, brother against brother. I mean, you want to vilify one side, but history is a lot more complicated than that. It is, and uh, 
watched a, a great old movie this weekend that reminded me of that. The Shadow Riders. The Shadow Riders. When did that come out? Like 82. Okay. It was a made-for-TV movie uh, loosely based on one of Louis L'Amour's books starring Tom Selleck and Sam Elliott as brothers who fought on different sides of the Civil War and come home <laughs> to find their family's homestead raided by renegade Confederates and their sisters about to be sold into slavery in Mexico. Oh, Jesus. And it was surprisingly light and funny for something that has that type of premise. It is a very dark premise. <laughs> it is. But it was also a, a very good movie. They pulled a marble? I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, it was a very, it was, I enjoyed it. There are some people who think it's a little hacky and little maybe painted. a little at times, but it's just very fun. I've always yeah. enjoyed it. Uh, it was one of those ones that was running regularly on TNT went back when they would actually, you know, show Westerns and cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> Just before they went down the B5 route. <laughs> yeah, the B5 route. That was the turning point, 1998, right? Yes. Seven. Yeah. 90, oh. Yeah, 98. We're dating ourselves at this point. We're fresh off of Father's Day weekend. How was your uh, how was your weekend of appreciation? Well, uh, you know, it was fine. Um, kind of. Uh, yeah, I'm actually drawing a blank on what the hell I did on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> starting to feel. Old. Oh, oh wow! It, it was rained. Like five days it ago. rained. That's it. It rained, and I took my daughter to see. Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, how was that? It was good, dude. I heard it was good. I heard it was very good. Not as good as the first one, but... What's um, your opinion on that? It wasn't as groundbreaking as the first one, just because of how different the first one was. Yeah, I can see that. It's like a Guardians of the Galaxy uh, kind of curse. But it was it was really good. And... They set up the sequel very well. Um, okay. Well, because part two is coming out next year, right? Yes. Yeah. It, I forgot they, they announced it. Well, it's it was going to be called. Well, it technically is a two-parter, but um, it it's kind of like how it was going to be like whatever it was in Infinity War parts one and two. Now then it was Endgame. Now it's it's going to be beyond Spider Verse. Okay. And they uh, had so many, so many more homages to other Spider-Man, you know. Uh, oh, please tell from, me the 1990s cartoon Spider-Man. I wouldn't want to ruin it for you by and telling you, tell yes, that's exactly what's going to happen. But uh, <laughs> there, there's definitely some nods there. Uh, there's some really great takes on the character. Uh, there's some homages to the other universes. The other movies. I, I, know that I heard they referenced the MCU pretty well. Like, really well, if you read between the lines. You're not I won't spoil confirming. it. You're not denying. <laughs> I got you. Uh, but it was really good. And, of course, I had taken my kid to see the first one, which was so... I mean, I'd never seen a, never really seen a movie like it at the time, you know? 
Well, I th- uh, what I thought was neat about animation that was actually, style and yeah, but they also referenced the Tobey Maguire movies, like. <laughs> So I always pictured it was a lot of homages, Spider-Man. but not so much direct references. It was. Well, I mean, yeah, there were uh, direct uh, references to multiple versions of Spider-Man from basically the inception of the character right. in this movie, um, right. which was cool. Incredible voice cast, additional new, uh, new uh, voice actors on board. Uh, but. Oh, it was it was good. Um, good. Really looking forward and, to the next one. Enjoyed it. Yeah, she really did. Good. Had a good time. You know, it was raining this weekend, so it was a perfect time to go to a movie. Yeah. There's a lot of people at the theater, which, you know, there was plenty of kids' movies out, and it was raining. <laughs> we're we're definitely in a post-pandemic world, that's for sure. And things are things are beginning to feel normal again. With the movies, anyway. It wasn't, like, jam-packed like it probably was prior to, but it was... It was definitely in the right direction. Yeah. Um, well, very good. So, so Saturday you saw that, and then Father's Day, you had a good time with the family? You better uh, have. Sunday was, was really nice. The, the weather was good. We went out to a, a park in Rhode Island and we picnicked. Uh, my uh, my folks, uh, sister, nephew, uh, my my, and of course my wife and, and daughter, and we were out there. You know, had lunch. You know, just kind of enjoyed being outside uh, at a really pretty park and. You know, it was uh, was fun. You know, we played a few outdoor games, threw footballs around. We attempted to do the uh, outdoor big block Jenga that a oh, certain gosh, small yes. child kept knocking over. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. that'll happen. Yeah. That's that's it a, was that's, fun. That's a losing. Uh, losing end right there. Okay. Yeah, it, it was fun. We um, it was a nice time. It was good just to spend time with family. Uh, anyway, what about you? I had a wonderful week actually. My mother came out and um, we spent a couple days up in the mountains at a big lake. There, we uh, rented a chalet, is what they call it. I don't know. Ooh. I know. In the so. Alps. It was cramped. We may do though. Um, <laughs> we had a good if, time. If you're calling it a chalet, it sounds like you might have made fondue. Uh, we did not make fondue, uh, but we did play a lot of uh, Catan. You heard this board game, Catan? Yes, it's it's uh, all about Chris Catan and his life. God damn it! No, not at all. Anyway, my son whipped our asses both times we played it while we were up there <laughs> it's like monopoly but you build civilizations rather than buying properties and um so it's sim city kind of but not you can actually wheel and deal between people and stuff it, it's a good game i recommend it uh, i i think your family would actually like it mm. um 
it's a very once you know how to play it and it's it's not too complicated and as long as someone is there who knows what's happening it doesn't it's not a big learning curve to learn how to play it that first game it will be a little rough but i it's it's a good fun game i recommend and you can buy add-ons to it and everything too so yeah so we went up there we hung out at the lake we went to the pool we had a nice dinner um came back then we had brunch on uh brunch on father's day which was the first father's day i ever spent with my mom like since i became a father that was new (laughs) and we never planned it we didn't plan it that way but yeah she'd never been out here for, for father's day since i became a dad so um, yeah, this this year was a little bit of an easier Father's Day for us too, just a little bit more settled than it was. Yeah. Because I I think last year we were here, but it was, it was just a uh, just kind of a mess. Because <laughs> yeah. you had just moved out in that spring, right? Well, I was out here, and then literally that week we moved. I moved the family up here. That's- so. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to re- remember that timeline. That was a tough, t- that was a tough moment. <laughs> yeah. But, but now this you're moved year, in. Yep. And you can sit back and appreciate the moment. Yep. And we, uh, we enjoyed it. Good. I mean, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how important it is just to, during those moments of, of, happiness just to sit back and appreciate it for what it is like you know just try to push all the other anxieties out and just appreciate that moment it's very star trek insurrection i'll, I'll admit but it works it's a thing it, it it helps it really helps cleanse the soul and and uh i had a very nice father's day so i'm um, glad you did too uh, you deserve it <laughs> as do you all these years being so far away from your family all not all the time, but so much of your time. Many of the times, yes, including one time I was in the hospital. So. Right. <laughs> and my yeah. first Father's Day, too, actually. Not in the hospital, just not there. Right. My first Father's Day, I was deployed in a combat zone. So, so much fun. Say la vie. Say la vie. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Well, what brings us together today, DT? So, uh, when speaking with our executive producer, I got yet another Very productive one. Yes, uh, you know the writers' room. The head writer pitched us an idea that we're going to run on with. Strike. Head writers on strike. Remember, we can't we can't reference them. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> huh. It's a Hollywood joke. Everybody. Well, we're not getting paid anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> we're not getting paid. They're not yeah. getting paid. See? Whether we're writing or not. It really doesn't matter. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. I, I ground it to a halt. Continue. As Yes, you do. I always do. Uh, anyway, we... Uh, My my spouse posited a question about, you know, I it was it was actually, I think, prompted by my discussion of the being excited to watch the first episode of season two of Strange New Worlds. 
And did she walk into the room and go, good news, everyone? No. No, because <laughs> I'm the one who goes, good news, everyone. <laughs> That's the only one I have of him. That's so. my shit. I know. I can't steal too much of that my from jam. you. It is your jam. Quiet, so you're... you. <laughs> anyway, the discussion was, uh, you know, because of some, I, I mentioned kind of the dark ages and how this was a bit of a return to more classic style of Star Trek storytelling. Groovy. Very. <laughs> Listen up, you primitive screwhead. This is my boomstick. Groovy. Anyway, <laughs> Groovy Bruce aside, we uh, kind of started talking about it and, you know, why this was so refreshing and talked a little bit about how, you know, it's a back to more serialized storytelling, which... They had been doing long story arc, yeah, uh, episodic uh, storytelling as opposed to long-running story arcs. And then I was like, you know, and the movies are mostly just big action pieces. A little bit more, you know, close, more at least akin to some Star Wars-y, you know, versus the true nitty-gritty of Star Trek. And she was like, well... Is Star Trek better suited for um, the small screen, TV, streaming versus movies? And that was an interesting... That kind of got me thinking, and and it sounded sounded like a great discussion topic. I mean, what did you think? I'm kind of pissed off that we didn't think about discussing this way back at the very beginning of this podcast, to be honest with you. (laughs) I mean, it's such an obvious topic to discuss. Um, I've seen it discussed about the possibility and some inklings here and there on, on some internet forums and, and whatnot, but not in true depth. Uh, Some videos, you know, grace it a little bit, but it's not, it's not fully explored, if you know what I mean. It's mentioned in passing one person having this assertion versus another. Yes. And, you know. And we're not going to answer it, by the way, very effectively. We're just gonna, we're the best we could do is just well, talk well, let, about let, both sides. So, <laughs> Star Trek, right? What made it a phenomenon at first was it was a TV series. Yes. And people started rewatching it or seeing it first time in syndication. And it was those stories that they could tell there. And some of them were more cerebral and some of them had more hidden messages. And you could do that more on a weekly series than in a big budget have to get right. immediate bang for your buck movies. Right. Right. Unless, yes. of course, you watch the motion picture, which is really a very. I think one of the more it's more akin to a as far as films go, 2001: A Space Odyssey versus a. Uh, well, it's Robert Weiss. I mean, he did right, the but, 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 right. It's it's more of a um, 
it's a thinker yeah. more than a Star Wars action piece. There wasn't much of a pew pew pew. No, Actually, there was very little of that. The the first movie, the motion picture, was more of an homage to uh, sexual intercourse and and uh, gratification. It was, it was easy, Shatner. I'm just saying. I mean, Spock literally says, "I have entered the orifice." He's a Vulcan. He speaks very formally. That's what he said. To, that's what he said to Tapring. The orifice tightens. <laughs> did you miss my pun? I know, I know. I, I did miss it, but I, I caught it as soon as I started laughing. I caught, I heard it. <laughs> anyway, it's still more of a long. It's just like a long, bigger budget Star Trek episode. And it was very kind, Star Trek. It's kind of like that one with Nomad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, was it called the Changeling? <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Trek, Trek copies from itself from time to time. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, many, many times. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Rene Arbor-Zonois even said to the uh, actors in Enterprise, yeah, we did this in Deep Space Nine in season four, so whatever. <laughs> So. But if anyway, you make it just different enough. Trekkies will still watch it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Just to put a little. Sp- I mean, there are only seven stories to tell, and I, I heard this laid out before. One per Trek. season. That's why you get seven seasons. <laughs> yeah, right. I heard. I heard it. Well, with New Trek, yeah, with with the season long story arc that they have, that's technically one episode. But um, I've heard that there are certain kinds of Star Trek episodes. There's like the anomaly episode or a character specific episode. There is the disaster episode where, you know, you have to, you have to, <laughs> everything goes wrong and everyone needs to figure out how to do it. Like, uh, um, disaster, one, yeah, like disaster. <laughs> I recently watched that one, but there's also the one when they, when they come in the booby trap, something like that, you know, yeah. they have to shut it all off. Yeah. Civil defense and deep space Civil nine. Defense. Yep. And then there's the alien episode, the alien Most other. Of Voyager. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and, uh, and enterprise season three. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So but there's you know, also your lighthearted episodes too. Yes. Um, your data's uh, your fistful of data's your trouble with tribbles. Your trials mm-hmm. and tribulations. I hate Little it. green men. I hated Fistful of Data's, by the way, growing up. I told it's you this, so right? so funny. It is so funny. I didn't find it funny at all. I found it annoying as shit as a kid. Now as an adult, I, I appreciate it for what it is. Trust me. But as a kid, I'm like, oh. Well, I, don't I love it now even place. more now that I know that there's a huge Briscoe connection. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> but oh Jesus! I mean, literally, Briscoe did a, the same episode as basically a fistful of datas. Briscoe goes to his hometown, and he has to fight this rancher and his douchebag son. And it ends in a showdown in the middle of the street. <laughs> and there is a, a the and there is a pretty lady with a gun too. 
I bet it was the same set because I don't think they would have they would have done the they would have done the the uh, universal Western set or they would have gone all the way up to Santa Clarita where where that Western set actually later burned down recently, actually. It's, it was a lot more deserty. So then they were up in the Santa Clarita set. Never mind. Uh, At least yeah, for but anyway. Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Good times, right? Mm-hmm. But also one of the things that works Trek does very well is bottle episodes, right? Yes. Duet. Mm, love that episode. One of one of the best of Deep Space Nine. And it was a season one episode, so. Um, I mean, hey, I thought you were referring to season seven duet when Picard gets a swerve on with an underling. Underling? With, with that scientist lady. Dude, you have got to stop using wrong words when dealing with military hierarchy. Subordinate. Yes, thank you. I, I'm underling. sorry. He's I, not a mobster. Listen, I am a stupid civilian. I am never going to get it right all the time. Most of the time, I will get it wrong. You just have to put aside your mil- your military mind and be like, oh, he's damaged. I, I-, I risked my life to save this poor damaged individual. <laughs> oh, Duet was the one from Deep Space Nine season one, Kira yeah. and the Cardassian. Which was designed right. to save money because they had blown a lot of money for emissary. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and it turned out to be the best episode of season one. No, you also get other bottle episodes like now I'm drawing a blank because <laughs> I had one and then you screwed me up with your poor memory. Um, what about the one, the Little Mermaid parable, where they brought that that uh, it, I'm sticking with Deep Space Nine, with the woman from the low gravity environment, and she needed Malora. to be in a wheelchair. You actually remember this? Wow, the, her name. Well, it was an yeah. interesting one. It was a good one. Uh, it was a Little Mermaid parallel. I don't know if it was a truly a bottle episode. They did spend a lot of money di- digitally erasing the wires. Yeah, they did have to do that. Uh, well, I mean, Measure of a Man was almost a bottle episode. They spent half the episode wrapped up in that courtroom. That's true, and they didn't have to rebuild the space station because they used it from uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah, I mean, Star Trek, you know, Star Trek kind of thrived on the bottle episode, or the at least the episodic format. It wasn't really until Deep Space Nine where you saw long-running story arcs, which then Voyager and, and Enterprise would pick up on, right, some better the, than the others. The difference to be said about that is that there would be running themes, but it wasn't one long story. Each episode was still its own self-contained situation. Well, Enterprise and Season 3 was one story. They did a lot of... They did. It was one story but they a lot of those episodes were mostly it wasn't it didn't end on a cliffhanger like a real cliffhanger cliffhanger where we saw it where we had to wait for the next episode first scene to know what happened there was enough inter interconnection that 
you needed to it was beneficial no i um, i completely agree unless of course I mean, you watched an episode like north star which was a great fun episode of enterprise and the, that's the that happened episode, right right <laughs> that happened right in the middle of of their Zindi hunt but it always comes back to the westerns with you it's interesting um no what i grew up on before i, know I got into sci-fi i know um uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I wanted to expound on the idea of the bottle episode because you brought up an interesting point. Bottle episodes gave the writers an opportunity to really flex their muscle and figure out how to tell a really good story without using a lot of sets, without using a lot of special effects and stuff like that. You got you saw that with a lot of sitcoms, too. Like, um, I'm going to bring up All in the Family because you rarely saw them build sets for that show. It was always in that living room. And rarely ever in their kitchen. You know, it always everyone just met in Archie's living room and they talked everything out. In some hilarious fashion or another, but it happened, right? Yeah. And there was there was literally a member of, I don't know, uh, some Israeli not Israeli, I shouldn't say that, but some some Jewish, I, wouldn't, I don't even want to say radical, but someone put a swastika on their door and the whole episode was about this guy coming and saying, hey, listen, we've got your house covered. We're fine. You're going to be fine. We got people protecting you. And they're like, well, we're not Jewish. And he's like, well, they think you are, so you're going to be in trouble. And the end of the episode ends with a huge explosion. We don't see it. <laughs> it happens right out in front of their house, though. A car explodes. But and it's Archie telling the story of like, oh, my God, he just got in his car and he exploded. It was a very poignant ep- moment, but a bottle. I mean, it was basically a bottle episode. Most of them are because they. They had zero sitcoms, money. Yeah, I mean, the sitcoms, they generally revolved around a couple of sets. Mm hmm. As opposed I mean, to Seinfeld, I've noticed Seinfeld had a lot of sets. Well, I mean, yes, it was mostly Jerry's apartment, the diner, and, you know, periodically, like, when Elaine was working for Peterman for a couple of years, there were those sets, which I think were just redressed for Yankee Stadium when George worked for the Yankees. <laughs> which very easily could have happened, yes. And there was, like, an outdoor street that they used a lot. Yes, the universal lot. Yeah. Um, which I, I've I've been on that lot um, quite a few times to recognize which part of that lot they're on. George's parents' house. Yes. That George's one was parents. one too. That was one too. I mean, they made a lot. I mean, but my point is, a lot of the bottle episodes are meant to 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 save money, so the writer has to figure out what a real story is for that moment. And I loved those things. You know, yeah. they used to cop out by doing a clip show, which I freaking hated. Um, the bottle episodes were the best way to, to remedy that 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 budget issue. Um, yeah, they were pretty terrible. And the thing is, you don't uh, the clip shows are. Yes. But and you don't see a lot of bottle episodes, quote unquote, anymore, like with Discovery. And I haven't watched Discovery since season one uh, season four episode one but Mm. um they probably have started doing something along that line now but for the first two seasons there was no bottle episode it was a 
lot of flash bang. What was this? Discovery? Discovery, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe Lorca meeting oh. Takuvma? What was Takuvma? What was his name? The guy, the guy that was genetically altered. Ash Tyler. Ash Tyler, but it was really... Wasn't it? Was it? It was Takuvma, right? The 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 albino Klingon, or Klingork? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to bring up a bad memory, but I'm just saying. Anyway, all right. Star Trek versus Star Wars. Which venue was better for which property? Well, I mean, Star Wars historically has been a major movie franchise, right? 11 yes. movies. What? Clone Wars I only know the... six. Maybe seven. Rogue One. Yeah. Yeah. They and we liked Rogue Solo. One. Let's not forget we liked Solo. Oh, yeah. Eight. I liked Solo. Yeah. But. <laughs> and you liked The Force Awakens. You know you did. I did like The Force Awakens, but then they just. Yeah. We don't need to go into it. <laughs> but. Movies, right, was their big jam. Droids, Ewoks, they lasted like a season each. The Ewok adventures were made for TV schlock. Mm -hmm. I mean, do I admit enjoying them when I was a kid? Sure. Were they high drama? No. But. Felt like high drama as a kid. Yeah. That was the point, right? Yep. But. Still, TV wasn't really anything Star Wars succeeded in. It did succeed very well in book form. Um, yes. Th generally throughout the 90s. Well, that was, and if you read the thing I sent you, our executive producer also asked if novels was something that was, you know, was it, did it succeed in novel form? And the Star Wars Expanded Universe was extremely popular. Yes, it was. Because well, that was for, the for only about Star, Trek, a, Star Wars they had. For a decade, that was it. And you actually had some extremely talented writers, including a legend like Tim Timothy Zahn, um, writing excellent stories and making them so good that you could hear John Williams' music when you would read the books. And then... Star Trek was usually kind of, they went through almost like the episodic thing until the turn of the century when they went, they started doing reboots of TV shows and like, well, this is what would happen in season eight. And they started interconnecting, you know, with other authors, with other series. And then you get the culmination with the Destiny trilogy, which I've basically equated to the Star Trek version of the Thrawn trilogy as far as its impact yeah. on the novel universe. Yeah, I see that. Uh, the true ga game changer. Still, and while many people read Star Trek books, it wasn't quite like Star Wars books seemed to have that grip. And I, I, I will, <clears throat> I, I completely agree with you on all that. I think, I, I think the big thing about the Star Wars books was George Lucas literally said, this is all canon. This is all sanctioned. He did approve a lot of yeah. the stuff. They, and, they ran and, things by Lucasfilm. They had right. the Lucasfilm logo 
on <laughs> they did on a lot of these books. They had the Lucasfilm copyright, all of that stuff. It was all there. Yeah. Um until and, they changed it. <laughs> uh, she who shall not be named changed it. Yes, indeed. No, no. I mean they even changed like things that were developed as like damn near canon started to change in 1999 with the Phantom Menace. Oh, I got you. You know, everybody thought the old Republic kind of fell like more like 40 years ago as opposed to 20 years ago kind of thing. Yeah, because, okay, yeah. Because the Empire would have felt much older than just 20 years, yeah. (laughs) More established. and Much more established. Yeah, 20 years does not feel like a good establishment, does it? Because you only have one generation. Anyway, um, I would argue that the books for Star Wars were in more demand because the fact that that was really the only Star Wars you got. Um, And and Star Trek was in its heyday. I mean, it it was series after series, 26 episodes a year per series. I mean, Star Trek and Star Wars hit, hit franchise fatigue about the same time, 2005. They did. (laughs) I do remember there was a hesitation when uh, Revenge of the Sith came out because everyone was like, "Mm, do we really need to go through this whole thing again? Like, George Lucas can't write. We're tired of George Lucas. (laughs) Remember, that was a thing. That was a thing. But Star Wars got out the Schneider a little quicker because the Clone Wars, well, the movie was a little meh. But the series started picking up, and then Star Trek 09 came out, which was fun, um, and it breathed new life into the franchise, but it was a different universe. It was, you know, it was the multiverse, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. Created an entire yeah, new separate Star timeline. Star Trek 09 was a very ingenious story plot. I liked it. Because they they wanted yeah. to do a reboot, but they could they didn't want to destroy the legacy of Star Trek behind it. Which it took me a little Which, while to remember that it was a, actually literally had to read from Alex Kurtzman and Roberta Orsi. Robert Orsi. Roberto. I thought it was Robert. That's Robert. It's Robert. Robert Orsi. Um, they both said how they created a new timeline, but the old timeline wasn't destroyed. Because remember a lot of the Star Trek TNG and Deep Space Nine stuff was all closed circuit timelines. You didn't create a new one necessarily. You, but I mean, uh, parallels. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Parallels show that you did create different time, uh, timelines and stuff. And yes, there is enterprise with, uh, what's her name? Yes. Enterprise did create, a separate ripples timeline in the in well no it created ripples in the oh yeah prime timeline timeline yeah that's but true parallels just showed you alternate dimensions there was no changing anything it yeah. was just wharf was like displacing that's a good point no you're right so that was the one example of tng just showing different timelines completely whereas well was, that was I the mean, multiverse the was it was all it, the rule was it was a closed circuit timeline. You fuck up that circuit, the circuit's destroyed, right? <laughs> right, except, and then you get to all good things where 
what Picard was doing in the past did not affect what was going on in the present. Well, that was because of Q. Right. Right. He was teaching Picard a lesson. (laughs) I could just picture Bruce Banner as smart Hulk going, Q! Yeah. (laughs) Q! Oh, my God. Time travel. Am I right? Oh, my God. I got to get that drop. (laughs) I told Um, you the drop you need to have. Which one was that again? That's not how the force works. Yes, that's a good one. Yes, I do need to. Because that's a great one to drop when somebody's like saying something stupid or, you know, it's like when we're discussing something dumb. It's like, yeah, beaming through shields. That's not how. But again, what made, I think, Star Trek better suited to TV. And while the movie, with the movies, you almost need to have a an event that seemed movie-worthy, like the two-parters, right? Best of both worlds, right? Sure. That's a two-parter. Yeah. And it, it showed us a new level of Star Trek that we had never seen before. Right. Redemption. That was a two-parter. Something that changes the franchise. What would have been, I think, wise would be to swap unification in Time's Arrow in their place. I agree, but they were Time's Arrow promote Star Trek VI. Right. Still would have been a better... <laughs> it would have been... Captain, you have found him. Would have been one hell of a summer. One hell of a summer. (laughs) Right. I mean, Time Zero was a fun movie, a fun TV show. You know, it was a fun episode. Um, I don't know if the stakes were as high as they were in in, um, in either Redemption or Unification. Um, But still, worthy of a solid two-parter. Not worthy of a season cliffhanger, I don't think. Still better than the end of season two. (laughs) Yes, uh, agreed. Um, Here's here's my take on this whole thing, right? Both, we have these two very storied franchises, right? And they began in in opposite ends of the mediums. Star Trek began on TV. It was always meant to be on TV at that point, right? Yes. And Star Wars was this grand spectacle of a movie that basically redefined what a science fantasy movie could look like. It wasn't going to be a schlocky looking thing anymore. It George Lucas changed the way that kind of genre was done by making yeah. that kind of serious, you know, sci- science fiction fantasy. So whereas... And, and and because of that, because of the way these two shows started, the fans, you'll always have overlap, right? We've always talked about this, mm-hmm. right? But the fans will be distinctly different, too, because Star Trek fans are much more niche fans. They're more, you know, cerebral. I've said this to you before. I don't know if I've said it on the pod but they're they're more cerebral, they're more have. patient. Um, they they've 
they use Star Trek to, to, to help themselves develop intellectually because Star Trek did show a good template like that. You and I are both products of that. Um, yes, I did backhandedly say you're a cerebral person. That being said, Star Wars was a four quadrant event. So Star Wars, you want it for a grand spectacle like that. Number one, you had to have a very simple story. Save the mm -hmm. princess and then save the planet. Good versus <laughs> evil. Good versus it, evil. The, 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 that's the what heroes, Star Wars basically the hero's goes angle. down to. Exactly. Yep. Very simple. George Lucas was not not hiding the fact that he used the very basic historical of, of, literary archetypes exactly. that go all the way back to like Greek myth. Exactly. So and, and we're not saying that he's a hack legends. for that. That's, it was probably the most brilliant move he ever he ever could have done. It was exact. He just plugged himself into the Western zeitgeist by doing that. Part Arthurian um, legend, part you know Kurosawa mm -hmm. samurai, part adventure serial, part western. Exactly. So, he but did an that. adventure story, good versus evil. Right, and there is no better four quadrant kind of story than having a good versus the Dominion evil, War, a badass looking. Sorry, bad that's guy. a two quadrant story. It is a two quadrant story. <laughs> Three though, there was um, some beta quadrant. There was some beta quadrant interference, yes. Soy boy betas. Just... <laughs> Don't tell the Klingons that. Anyway. <laughs> beta um, males. Beta males. <laughs> but those are those Star are the Wars, Romulans. Star Wars, by its whole creation, was meant to appeal to the largest largest and broadest form of the audience. Right. So each movie, and it was always in movie form, came as a big major event. And that's who that's what most Star Wars fans know Star Wars to be a major, major, huger, huger, major event on the big screen with a beginning, middle and end with a beginning and middle and end, not a long episodic storyline or anything like that. It was nine movies, nine <laughs> movies. It was, I mean, yeah, eight movies. <laughs> a couple episodes in there, you know, it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, and yes, you'll bring up Clone Wars. You can bring up um, the Bad Batch, like the TV shows. I, really, the vast majority of Star Wars fans are not watching those shows. Hardcore ones. They are, are watching the Mandalorians, though. There, that was a big thing the, because the interesting thing about the Mandalorians is that they were like almost like little mini movies. They were. Each episode was almost like a little mini movie. And it cost upwards of $250 million to make that first season. Because they had the expectation that they had to match that kind of production level. Not only that, they also had to launch a competitive streaming service. Outside of that, yes, you're right. You're, you're not wrong. But they Disney needed a cornerstone show to be like the Stranger Things or something. You're absolutely correct. Yes. But and, and Star Wars was the perfect, perfect gamble for that because it they worked. had such it was a the high tentpole. bar. Yeah, they and they had such a high bar to surpass that. Yeah, it's going to cost two hundred fifty million dollars to make this show because it already has a movie pedigree behind it. Whereas Star Trek didn't have that. Like, I mean, 
it got better production wise as time went by. But then what happens with Discovery? We saw this and we were like, what the fuck is this? All flash and no substance. Exactly. There was no substance to it. And when they tried with substance, I just don't think the writing was there. Well, you know, exactly. They, they did dumb shit like kill one of their best, most positive characters in Dr. Culber halfway through season one. Yeah. Only to bring him back in season two. In kind of a weird way. Very but weird But I'll take way. it just because Hugh Culber might be one of the one of the best I, I characters on that show. I was killed. I've mentioned it before. I was pissed. And they underutilized him even to that point. Yes, they did. He was a very powerful character that they did not realize what they had in front of them. Those wow, stupid I mean, showrunners. They got fired halfway through that season, by the they, way. So they, they deserved it. They were terrible. But my point is, Star Trek... Star Trek's a little different. They're, they're not used to dealing with a major budget, right? Even the stories from TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, they all talk about how this episode was going to cost too much, so we needed to figure a workaround. You know, if you read, if you read the Captain's Logs, they talk about that. The Captain's that's, logs why, that's why they kept reusing, like, Miranda and Excelsior class in the middle of the Dominion War. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> I know. That's like why they couldn't reuse Nebula Nebula class in there, but yeah. <laughs> Mostly Galaxy class. That, that's it. You'd see a bunch of Galaxy class surrounded by ships that were 100 years old. Right. Yeah, well, the Galaxy class, they had so many uh, they had so many uh, reels of the flybys of the Galaxy class that they could miniaturize that, put it way up back here. You know, it didn't cost them anything. <laughs> but that's my point. Like, they they had to work with a, 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 I wouldn't say a shoestring budget in the 90s, but it might as well have been. It wasn't Star Wars money. Maybe in the early, in the late 80s. At, you know, but remember, at that point, they'd already knocked out five movies. Once you got into the 90s, you know, Star it, Trek was pretty well entrenched. And I'm not saying they had, like, probably even the budget that Cheers did in its final season or something like that. They did not. <laughs> but it was better. And of course, one of the things that they and Star Wars did well was figure out how to, particularly in the early days, make groundbreaking special effects this or use things wisely, like the transporter effect. Right. That is correct. Just glitter in a water glass. <laughs> It's true. I mean, I, yes, you're right. I just, um, oh shit, I don't have the transporter effect here. I have this one, but that's not going to You do should have good. the transporter effect. It's in our intro. I didn't put it in my flipping, I got this one. That's a good one. Come in. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. They never say that. It's, they Come. Say, Come. <laughs> and the tricorder I don't have the transporter oh wait I flipped and lied I'm an idiot but that's that's nothing new um okay so 
my point was the audiences were already grounded in the origins of where these different uh, properties came from. Mm -hmm. Television was for more cerebral stories. Movies were for grand spectacles. Or hold on. Grand spectacles. No. 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 I'm not going to do it again. I promise you. But (laughs) Um, what? One of the things that I think made it interesting, too, was Trek was also telling parables, right? It's almost like a bedtime story. Yeah, I mean, because they were story-based. Mm-hmm. Now, Star Wars is an epic mm-hmm. in, like, the truest... In the truest form, you know, like an epic quest. It's a quest. You know, you have the hero on his quest. You have, you rescue the princess, but then she ends up rescuing you. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas was not afraid, particularly in the early days, to subvert some expectations. Um, I have to wonder how much... Uh, really were women that limited in story uh, story forms i mean i guess i guess it kind of naturally weeded itself out to be a timeless thing so all the good examples we have of strong powerful women from the old days have survived because they were strong powerful women in this kind of ironically history is loaded with powerful women that kind of get swept under the rug like Boudica. Yeah, Boudica. Burn the frickin' London to the ground. <laughs> Grenwell, the 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 red-headed pirate. Grace O'Malley. Mm, who's that? The, that's the Irish pirate queen. What you might have said oh. was probably her Gaelic name. That was her Gaelic name, yes. Grenwell. <laughs> Grace O'Malley, yeah. Who... Caused such fits for the English that Queen Elizabeth wanted to meet her. Oh, and by the way, Elizabeth I, a historic badass. Yes, she was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's true. You you get there, there's plenty of legends. Joan of Arc. I mean, Gaelic le- Gaelic and Celtic legends are filled with strong women. Mm-hmm. So are the, so are Norse mythology. And even some in Greek and Roman, but some. Some, you know. yeah. I mean, you got Athena, who was Apollo's equal. But Athena... And she and was the, also Athena a goddess. Was, she was like her, his sister. Yeah, and well, I mean, he, she was his equal, but he was also, she was also Zeus's bane because she was his headache. And, it, and, yeah. and she manifests from his headache. Like, <laughs> yeah, that might have been a left-handed thing there. Very, I know, I know. Very snacky, you Greeks. <laughs> Fucking Greeks. Yeah. That was they had that was from analyze this. Doorstep, so I know it was. Oedipus. <laughs> he was a Greek. Uh, it was Greek. Uh, Greek king who killed his father, married his mother. Fucking Greeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's just such a. A mob stereotype. It was, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the Italians 
always were pissed off at the Greeks for having civilization first, but the Italians made it better. <laughs> well, you know, and the story, now, the story of the Aeneid. I am now on two hit lists right now by saying that. <laughs> well, you know, the Aeneid was basically, and like all these Roman gods were basically, uh, Let's take this Greek mythology, change the names, okay? And the Aeneid was basically like a spinoff written by the Romans after the Romans to tie it all the way back to earlier antiquities and saying, oh, well, Aeneas, he was one of the few surviving heroes of Troy who helped settle Rome, so that's where we came from. (laughs) Or the, the, the true founders of Rome... Romulus and Remus. That's true. Yeah, and Star Trek. I always found that to be such a fucking cop out. Like, such wow. <laughs> dumb on Star Trek on behalf of Gene Roddenberry. Like, really? There's this alien. There, there's this whole alien civilization, which was a break off of Vulcan society. Oh, you mean Vulcan? I know. I got gotcha. you. I got it. I understand. But it? Vulcan. Vulcan is used we in so many different contexts. We didn't contexts. name the Vulcan weapon system after Spock, bro. <laughs> I understand that. I Not understand that, that wouldn't have been cool. But, I mean, Vulcan is, you know, based on Vulcanology. Vulcan, you know, I know, I Vulcan got it. Vulcan was, was a god. I know. A god. I know, I know. All of that. I just, it was really stupid to name the two planets. Never mind. I, I'm not making a good point. I wasn't. I wasn't happy with that choice. Agreed. That's all I gotta say. God of fire, <laughs> volcanoes, metalworking, and the forge of Roman mythology. Yes. So, Vulcan spinoff, Romulus. Ooh. Blowing my mind, man. Blowing my mind. Well, I mean, there was all. Tons of Greek and Roman names of starships in the next generation. Well, yeah. You but know that's who really took right now. <laughs> but that that being said, while that is true, still that was Lucas's realm, diving into mythology more. Star Trek really did at times dive into the harder science a dyson sphere was literally a scientific theory mm-hmm. you know there was there was an episode i can't even remember that picard was working on a theorem that hadn't been solved in 500 years and then like three years after the episode was was aired they solved it oh yeah that's right i forgot about that Still, pretty cool. Yeah, it's a neat thing. I mean, it, it also emphasized that Picard, this this man of literature and 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 um, uh, gosh, um, diplomacy, intellectualism. He was also dabbling in math theorems, like the math problems, like very intense math problems, like interesting. But, you know, it, it showed his diversity of intellectual fortitude. Well, I mean, that's that's what and that's kind of what 
set the next generation apart from like Deep Space Nine was that you go on this ship and like they're all the crew is like a crew of honor students. They are, yes. Yeah. Some of them are really horn dogs. Some of them are <clears throat> data. Yes. <laughs> Some of them want to beat the crap out of you. Well, I, but Crusher. still, yeah. <laughs> still, I mean, you have these paragons of virtue held up there by, you know, the true, the the absolute paragon of virtue, Jean-Luc Picard, right? True. I mean, they they were good examples of the ideal of what humanity could be. What the best of what we could be. Right. Right. And and. Star Wars didn't give us that. Star Wars gave us swashbuckling, swashbuckling rogues and and uh, guys and, who were criminals, even. Yeah. <laughs> Han Solo, the the Jean Lafitte of the <laughs> of you, the galaxy you, far, far away, a pirate who came to save the day. You put Han Solo up on a presidential. Uh, campaign against Jean-Luc Picard, who do you think the American public would vote for? Right now, probably Han Solo. Han Solo. They would absolutely vote who, for Han who Solo. Who should we vote for? We should vote for Picard. But, <laughs> but what we really need is Ben Sisko. Because Putin wanted. wouldn't screw with Ben Sisko. Oh, Ben Sisko will go over there and punch the shit out of Putin. <laughs> Biden never punched me. I'm not Biden. <laughs> I'm not Biden. <laughs> I am so delighted in that visual right now. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> He'd be treating the North Koreans like Frankie. <laughs> he would, yeah, that's true. He'd have the he'd have the North Koreans playing right out of his hands. <laughs> through third parties too <laughs> he wouldn't just you know the equivalent of you know of like an american president would have to like roll up in like a, re, a refitted like battleship you know that that's how ben cisco got around it's true <laughs> gunboat diplomacy at the tip of the defiant oh my god that's so true <laughs> but still you could tell a story that way Cisco yes. was the was the grittier captain. Why? Because he had to be. Yes, I agree. Now Jean-Luc Picard went through extraordinary lengths of of torture and identity crisis. I mean, he literally was absorbed into a collective. Yes, you know, and he parts was, of him torn out. And he was held prisoner. Being told, against no, there will. are five lights against He was will. held prisoner a couple of times because the Borg was definitely holding him prisoner. Yeah, they held him there, and then Ellen Gambit. And he was, really was, held, he was really held prisoner by the Borg for a long time. That's true. Huge. They were living rent-free deep in, in his brain. Jean-Luc's brain. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it killed the entire him. idea... It was so brilliant of them to be able to write the the syndrome 
was really the Borg DNA uh, rewrite from from the nanoprobes. Like, it was so good. I loved that. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, it, it's it, similar in thought as Bloodlines. Wasn't it Bloodlines from season seven where Damon Bach uh, yes. rewrites this, this this kid of Jean-Luc's old flame, like overwrites his DNA yes. and then gives him a syndrome? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. And 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 this is the exact premise of Batman Beyond, by the way. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't watch Beyond. I I, I should have. There was a couple clips that have come on recently on my reel. I didn't either. But I think Beyond was canceled and they actually kind of did a halfway. Series finale in Justice League Unlimited. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. It was interesting. Okay. Um, that being said, I do feel that Star Trek fans in general will always feel that Star Trek is more appropriate on the small screen. And Star Wars fans in general both will always feel that Star Wars is better on the big screen. Now, yes... You'll have Star Wars fans that say The Mandalorian is fantastic, Clone Wars, fantastic, Bad Batch, wonderful, my works of art. Not all Star Wars fans are watching those. No, well, not all of them are watching animation. Most of them, most of the ones are watching The Mandalorian. A lot of them dropped out after season two. <laughs> and no one saw Andor. No one saw... Uh, a lot of people saw Kenobi at the very beginning and then that dropped off. Like, I mean, he, Star Wars was always meant to be these big events. It wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be a television show. But the next movie is going to be all the television show people. I will believe it when I see it. <laughs> that's what it's supposed to be. That's Filoni's got the. I that's know. the one that's supposed to come out in like a year and a half. I, I mean, out of all the movies that have been announced, that's the most likely one that will happen. Trust me. But there have been yeah, seventeen. Yeah, because it's basically canceled, already in production. There are seventeen canceled movie projects with Star Wars. And by the way, what's going to happen after that movie? Because that's supposed to be a culmination. And it's only been what? When did that? When did the Mandalorian first? Uh, the end of twenty nineteen. It hasn't even been four years since we've seen the continuation of the Filoni verse, and yet and now they're going to end it after what five years? Five years? That's it. To quote you from an earlier podcast, is it an end or is it a beginning? It, it feels like an end to me. It could end some people's stories. Like, I think it'll end Din Djarin's story. I mean, I feel like Din Djarin's story has already ended. Because who, in a previous podcast, who was the Mandalorian <laughs> in season three? <laughs> I mean, yeah. But that, that, that's, I think, one of the good things about it is we think the Mandalorian is Din Djarin. Is it Grogu? 
Was it Bo-Katan? Does it change from season to season? It was never meant to be Bo-Katan. She was a nice, Not initially. She was a nice, she was a nice Easter egg, but it was supposed to be Din Djarin. It was supposed to be. Because we all know we all know Grogu was supposed to go off and be Luke Skywalker's first student. And then Disney's like, no, no, he's a cash cow on our merchandising. You cannot write him out of the series. Absolutely not. Like <laughs> Yeah, and he's not gonna get punked out and slaughtered like a bitch by emo Ben Solo. <laughs> I, I feel like that was their attempt to try to start, you know, pulling away from the sequel trilogies. But that's a that's a whole other topic for another day. Grogu uh, wasn't there. He wasn't. You're right. I know. But I mean, I just can't a, wait. That was a definitive his end. Aww. How does he tuck his ears in? Because we'll have to have the ears. No, his ears will have to come out, I guess. But then they'd be exposed and be weird. Still look I don't cute. Know. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe we'll do something that doesn't hide his eyes. This is the way. <laughs> this is the way. Because they already rewrote the idea that Cara Thrace could. I'm sorry, Cara Dune. What is, what is her name? Not Cara Dune. It's Cara a, Dune. Cara Thrace was Battlestar. I know, I know. <laughs> Cara Thrace meets Cara Dune. There we are. Oh, that would be we good. Had that yeah. in season two. We did. <laughs> Bo-Katan. We already had it so Bo-Katan could take off her helmet after she was cleansed by the waters of Mandalore. I mean, it was acceptable because, you know, the forger said it was so. Armor. Forger has a different connotation. You're, 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 you're fine. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not, I'm not arguing. I'm just tired of being corrected so your answer would be stop being wrong <laughs> see i don't even need to have these arguments anymore no you don't You're doing it for me <laughs> so uh, my point is like there what is the way now at this point because we already saw it being rewritten yes hmm? you said what is the way i said this no. This is the way. Damn it. <laughs> I was trying to justify Grogu not having his eyes covered because that is really the cell. He's adorable. Yeah. His eyes make him adorable. And they spent they spent so much money on that damn puppet that they can't do it. It was a three million dollar puppet. <laughs> I heard it was closer to five, but I, sure, I wouldn't whatever. be surprised. Was it Jason Sudeikis punched it and <laughs> Adam Pally. Oh, Adam Pally punched it yes, and, and yeah. Uh, was it was, uh, Favreau, Favreau ran like, up and said, hey, fine, but that's a five million dollar puppet. Don't do it again. <laughs> Love the commitment. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Punch it again in your fire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That was a fun episode. But again, that was a spectacle episode. I mean, that's what The Mandalorian is. Mandalorian was always about spectacle, which is why it always felt like it was a video game. Or a movie. Like a long movie, yeah. But but it always felt like a video Each game. Each episode almost felt like a little movie, though. Yeah. 
It was, you it was, know, here's it was like going to watch month. the short the short film category at the Oscars. Right. I mean, I mean, here's your quest. Go get it. Go get your chest plate. Or, <laughs> and I said this at the very beginning. Well, it's kind of, of video three. gameish. You're right. I said at the very beginning of season three, like when he said to when when Carl Weathers said to Mando, "All right, well, you'll need to get a droid. Go, you you'll need this. Go to Tatooine." And, and and whatever. I, I mean, he had he went to three different planets the first freaking episode, like <laughs> four. No. Yeah, three. but it didn't take him too long to get to Mandalore, which was good. No, true, but you know the whole point of him getting that astromech was only to be spied upon by the New Republic, not to be of any use to him. Which is weird because that means that that astromech was spying on Amy Sedaris. Um, why? <laughs> I don't want to spy on her she, with her proclivities. She's got some interesting proclivities with some Jawas. <laughs> Super hairy. You're, she's a weird cat. <laughs> well, Amy Sedaris is a very weird cat in and of itself. She's a very quirky individual. That whole family is a very quirky family. I don't know if you've ever read David Sedaris's work. No. Um, it's enjoyable. I, I recommend it. <laughs> so. Anyway, have we made our point yet? Well, we've definitely hit some points. I mean, ironically enough, some of the some of the least. I don't know, at for, at times the least regarded Star Trek movies were like long episodes. Insurrection, that was an episode. Yeah. That was an hour-long episode. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Okay, so let's look at motion picture. Let's look at uh, Insurrection. Let's look at Star Trek V. And let's yeah. look at, I mean, those were very Star Trek-y, right? And they were, they were. panned. Even the Star Trek fans didn't like that. However, motion picture has gotten much more reappraisal. Both yeah. both for its special effects and its storytelling. No, I agree with that. I, I motion pictures The other two dog. haven't haven't. <laughs> yes, motion picture is a different kind of dog. I gotcha. And I agree with that. Um but yeah, the other the more cerebral Star Treks Star Trek movies that is. Not liked, not even by the fans that much. I mean, it was the fan. And, and that's the thing. Star Trek movies only brought the fans in. They didn't bring in the four quadrants like Star Wars did. I think the only ones that did were 09. Star Trek 09, because it was a big blast them up. It was and more it was of a, a Star reboot. Wars movie than it was a they, Star Trek movie. And they told you it was going to be a reboot. So people probably thought they could get on board. The whole advertising campaign was this is not your grandfather's Star Trek. And it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, I enjoyed the shit out of it, though. Don't yeah, get it was me wrong. Fun. I loved it. I, I was I was a kid in a candy store, you know, watching that movie and crap. I mean, there were a lot of things I didn't like about it, like with Kirk being promoted to captain from cadet like that. But. <laughs> But that's J.J. Abrams for you. That's what he does. I mean, 
but I enjoyed the shit out of that movie. And then Star Trek Into Darkness tried to be Wrath of Khan, the most beloved Star Trek movie. And it was such a betrayal of that beloved Star Trek movie because it was stupid. Would you say it was a con? It was a con. They conned us. They literally C-O-N-N-E-D'd us by saying that was John Harriman. Really? Harrison. Oh, Harrison. You're thinking Harriman, Captain, Captain of the Enterprise B. Enterprise B, yeah. Which I would love the shit out of that to see him in a special one-off or something. Come on, get on it, Paramount+. Plus. You know, the service that I still somehow have service with, but I haven't paid a dime for in the last six months. I'm not stealing it. It's a glitch. (laughs) Whatever you say. I don't have hacking skills, man. (laughs) And I'm not password stealing. (laughs) So, yeah, watch. They'll back they'll back bill me. That'll be a delight. When that's I only if it. the that's only if the Department of Defense runs it. That's true. <laughs> They'll back the, yeah. oh. Ah, nice political joke. <laughs> nice, a nice. Oh, yeah. uh, what oh, was it? Hey, look. Uh, uh, if I, if my if my uh, overseas entitlements wasn't shut off by the time my next paycheck rolled around, it was getting taken out of the next paycheck. So yeah, it was. If I got paid for deployment pay when I was back stateside, it was coming out of the next paycheck. Right. And you're like, oh, shit, I better just keep this in the savings right now. (laughs) Yep. That's exactly what you do. Oh, oh, that ain't right, man. That ain't right. (laughs) So. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Star Trek fans did not like the the more cerebral Star Trek like movies, but they liked the shoot 'em up Star Treks. I don't know, Star Trek Six was not really shoot 'em up. It had some shoot 'em up moments, but it was pretty cerebral. It was a mystery. It was, it was a whodunit. It was also a just a great episode. It, it you know, it and a it lot was of meaning behind it. Yeah. In some ways, it was it could have been. A great two-parter, you know, when you think about it. It had the same qualities of all the epic two-parters in Star Trek, but it had the spectacle of intergalactic peace hanging in the balance and an assassination of a of a, a head of a state. Sanitary leader. Your protagonist yeah. being accused of that, that's a movie. That is a movie. Yeah, Hell, you're absolutely going right. Going to rescue whales from the past to save the future. <laughs> That's a movie. It's that comedy, was, but it, it's a movie. Yeah. It worked out. That, yeah. That that is, I think, the only other Star Trek movie that could have brought in outside fans, and it was one of the highest grossing Star Trek movies for a long outside time. Outside of the motion picture, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, clearly, it was lighthearted. Fish out of water, or whale out of water. Yeah. Uh, and the but, original plot was to have Eddie Murphy in there. <laughs> but so here's the question, because Star Trek 09 hit a lot of four quadrants, right? I, I know I'm using this 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 term. It is a movie term. It's a Hollywood term because you want to hit all segments of the population in order to make a movie as successful as possible. That's just how it works. Um, you want your bang for your buck and you want as many people to go for it as uh, go to it as much as possible. 
That being said, Star Trek 09 brought in a lot more people than just Star Trek fans. We all know that. I mean, people we knew in middle school and high school who never would have been caught dead admitting that they saw a Star Trek show, never mind a movie, paid for a movie, went and saw 09. Right? Well, Chris Pine is cute. He's a very tall, dark... I'm sorry, tall, dark glass of water. No, that's not what I meant to say. He's a very tall glass of water. Um, absolutely. But that brought in a lot of other people. Then, And then here's the question, because Into Darkness brought in more money than 09. Was panned. Like Star Trek fans Iron Man 3 it. was a billion dollar movie. True. But then, but, but, but. So you would have to think that Star Trek fans saw Into Darkness and hated it. But a lot of non-Star Trek fans saw that movie. And then Beyond comes out three years later. And Star Trek fans did not want to go see it. They did. I mean, you saw it. I know you did. But do you think Star Trek fans were bringing in people that were not Star Trek fans? And because Star Trek fans didn't want to see it, the non-fans didn't want to see it? Well, I know 09 was flashed up, shined up to look like neat, little Star Wars-y, you know, an action movie in space. As opposed to, I mean, I think that's another reason why why Beyond was the, the lowest performing in the box office of the three although it is i think it's actually got a higher critical score than either of the two because of its it storytelling could. it could it was a it was a it good a star trek story, story. Yes, it was it a good a star trek good story. story and you know what wrath of khan had a good star trek story into darkness was, was not wrath of khan no, but Wrath of Khan had a, a connection to the original series, galactic stakes, and you had compelling characters, and you had advancement. You had Chekhov was serving on another ship, his first officer, Kirk's an admiral, Spock's captain of the Enterprise. Characters were aging. The, they Kirk were aging, and that was aging. Yeah. What's your point? I'm trying to figure this out. It's it's it is both a great Star Trek story, but it is also it has stakes and spectacle, which mean makes it a good movie. However, the inner light, far beyond the stars, would be terrible movies. City beyond the edge of forever. Again. That one could be. That could very well be a movie. <laughs> You're right. But it, because of the stakes, and then it would allow, honestly, it probably would have made Kirk fall in love with Edith Keeler a little, just a little more plausible because you have more time together, right? Right, yeah. But, I mean, the question is, like, was it Star Trek fans that brought in the non-Star Trek fans, do you think, for the new Trek stuff? 
because, I mean, Star Trek fans flatly rejected Beyond. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I mean, you bring in somebody like Cumberbatch, right? Top-tier, A-list, phenomenal actor. Like, Mm -hmm. superior talent. He brought even a gravitas to a whitewashed con. And, I mean, you could almost empathize with Khan at times. His people, you, you know, he's being forced to do things, and they're holding his, his followers hostage, loading I mean, into I torpedoes. Brought it up, I brought it up in our What If episode. Like, they could have easily had Khan be on Kirk's side, and it would have worked. Been a good, that would have been, that been a good twist. Like, he wouldn't have yep. been the bad guy. It would have still been Captain uh, Admiral Robocop. You know? I mean, they were they were both bad guys, <laughs> <laughs> but s- still, the guy's name is Khan Noonien Singh, and they cast one of the whitest people in the world to play him. Okay, <laughs> that it was supposed to be a fake out, and look, he could have been John Harrison, the right hand of Khan. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and the con, con the threat would have been waking con up. Exactly. Like don't wake up con. Yeah, I, that would have been even better. I mean, all you needed was that. And then not have Kirk sacrifice himself, like do something different, you know. <laughs> Check off. No. That's too close to home. That would have that was too close to home, man. I mean, he was still alive back then, but <laughs> I know what you're going for. McCoy. No. Hero moment for the doc. No, Chekhov would have been the only one that's both. Whatever. Um, what was my point? Oh, well, I'm just saying, I think. I think that Star Trek fans actually brought in non-Star Trek fans for the new new Star Trek movies, and they felt betrayed. And so other the nonchalant fans weren't motivated, mm-hmm. in a sense. Because geek culture had become a thing at that point, too. Like, I mean, Marvel was in full swing. The Avengers had come out in 2012. Uh, that was a big thing. Oh, and what for Beyond? Or no, Into well, Darkness, yeah. In, into Darkness, yeah. So, but you also had a rise. You had, you had uh, Bio Nine. Even you had uh, Batman. You had uh, Dark Knight. Huge. Lord of the Rings. Lord uh, of the uh, Rings. Ten years before. I mean, Star Wars. Ten years before. That too. Yeah. You had, uh, but I think what made. I mean, they dabbled a little bit in the Star Warsy thing. That's what got us into. I mean, you had a doomsday weapon blowing up planets. Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> With red matter. It was a goo. <laughs> Couldn't even be a cool laser. It had to be a, a, a thing that penetrated a planet, and then you drop goo into it. Oh, God. Why? 
I why uh, why I didn't mean it. Oh God. Should we end this now? Can we end it on a better note? End it on a better note, man. Save me. <laughs> Trek in its purest form is definitely better suited for the small screen because it tells those kinds of stories. Its best movies do have some spectacle to it, but they still tell good Star Trek stories. Yes. Agreed. Star Wars, definitely big spectacle. But some of its some of the best Star Wars stories were actually told on the small screen. But not all Star Wars fans watched it. If you don't watch the Clone Wars or the Mandalorian or Andor, you're not really a Star Wars fan. Mm, You're just casual fans. Casual fans are a thing. Yeah, but you can't get pissy about it. I would say there's more casual fans for Star Wars than there are for Star Wars. I'm sorry, Star for Star Wars than there that are for Star I, I agree. There are definitely more casual fans because you can get into a two-hour movie of – and there's usually enough exposition in a Star Wars movie yes. to remind you of what you missed. Right. You don't have to put a lot of investment in it prior to said Star Wars movie. Whereas Star Trek, you really have to know a lot of the lore in order to fully appreciate what you're seeing. Yeah. And and Beyond did that, by the way. They they mentioned the Makos, the USS Franklin, uh, you know, the, the NX War, class. The Romulan War. The Zindi War. Yeah, I mean... They they did a lot of that kind of stuff. So that was good world building. That was good callback. None of that. None of that stuff was ever mentioned in a movie prior. None of it. In they, the TV show, yeah. You you got a passing Archer reference as kind of a humor thing in 09. But no one needed to know who Admiral Archer was. But you did Just, need to know who Porthos Admiral. was. Just he was an Admiral and he had a beetle. That's it. <laughs> and Scotty oh, was Porthos. Scotty. Scotty was was reckless enough to to take it on in his beagle. So <laughs> his prize beagle. So I don't know. I think we've. I mean, obviously, like I said at the very beginning, we haven't settled the debate. There's no true I don't think answer. There's really a debate. But I I think we hashed out a lot of the thought process. Well, and. For me, I mean, I I really think that the gist of it is, is, well, Star Trek on the big screen is good. It really is better. I mean, yes, is the big budget cool first contact, you know, rather than seeing just a graveyard of Wolf 359 in admittedly one of the best Star Trek episodes, best of both worlds. Yeah. You have the real battle. And it was a very good battle scene. And First Contact just showed what that big budget could do with a good Star Trek story. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to put those two together. Clone Wars showed that you could do, and even The Mandalorian showed, if you could tell a good Star Wars story with a limited, you know, you could still take little chunks 
of the overarching great narrative that is Star Wars and put it right there. Right. But it would be less episodes than Star Trek ever was. Mm -hmm. Because of that spectacle that Star Wars always had to be. Right? Mm. Yeah. I I mean, I know we're in an ever-changing television landscape, and that's a whole other level of discussion that we never even touched on until now. But, yeah. All right, so that being said, everything you said I agree with. Yeah. (laughs) I do. Like I said, I think we've definitely both agreed. Trek, better silver screen, you know, the small screen, and, sorry, small screen, the silver screen's the... No worries. But I tell you, I can't wait to see if somebody can put together a truly great Star Trek movie one more time. I know. And I look forward to and or season two. Yeah, I do, too. That has been Greenland, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Season two is going to be the final season. Well, on to season two, then. So... Well, uh, we settled nothing, but I think we we talked about everything, (laughs) which is important. So Mm -hmm. on that note, everyone, I like to end our podcast with a feeling. You guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, everybody. Till the next time. And from up here on the high ground, hope everyone had a nice weekend. Hope everybody's having a good time. And tune in next week.